When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Old Lady Speaks podcast on black and white and red all over. I'm your host, Danny, coming to you for episode number 60. And it's nice that we have a nice round number for our big season preview episode. So we won't have any fun with the with the numbers this week. We'll get right into it. So with that being said, I will bring in Sam Lepressi. Hello, Sam. It's time for the favorite part of the season, the time where everybody is optimistic. <laughs> And everybody is equal. And then we'll probably find something to start yelling and screaming about after about 15 minutes on Sunday. So yeah, That's right. You know. That's right. The over-under on how, Tradition. how long it'll Tradition. The over-under no. <laughs> over on how long it'll take the, the Juventus section of Twitter to get really pissed off on how things are going. What do you think, oh, yeah. Sam? Uh, I'm going to go with... Yeah, I'm going to go with 17. Okay. I'm going to go with 17 minutes... Somebody's gonna somebody's gonna misplace a pass, and it's it's just gonna be downhill from there. What do you think, Chucks? And by the way, hello, Chucks. Hey, uh, good evening. I I have no idea. People are just gonna go crazy, and then they're gonna be elated, and then they're gonna go crazy, and then you know up and down. So as a uh, as the great man himself once said, let's get ready to rumble. Okay. Which uh, did you know? Apparently, that's been trademarked. Yeah. <laughs> I couldn't believe it. Well, you, will, you, will have to, you will have to pay the fees now, Chuck. So I couldn't believe these trademark words. What kind of asinine stuff is that? It was funny, anyway. And now he's going to get us all sued. Yeah, well, <laughs> the thing is, apparently it's like you have to say it in the voice. Like, let's get, you know, Thank the you, really Chuck. high voice. Thank so, you, uh, Chuck. Yeah, you can't trademark words. What madness. Anyway, let's uh, let's talk football. You got it, buddy. And we've got Sergio Romero. Hello, Sergio. Hey, fellas, happy to be here, as always. Uh, I think you're all being way too conservative. I'm, I'm ready to throw everyone under the bus if they lose the like the, the coin flip <laughs> to the side, like the side of the field. I think I think you have to question Georgia's, you know, leadership right there if he loses that. So already, already, I think we, we might be, you know, playing with fire. But yeah, other than that, really happy, really happy to be here, really happy to get the season going. Our agent of chaos never disappoints. Last but not least, we've got our fifth member, Caleb Turrentine. Hello, Caleb. What's up, what's up? Yeah, you're talking about all this optimism before the season. I don't even have any to begin with, so I don't know what you're talking about, Sam. But, you know, I'm ready to get going either way. Let's talk about I'm here to bring some negative energy in here. Well, on that uplifting (laughs) note, (laughs) we shall. He's taking your spot, Chucks. Yeah. (laughs) You know, I've got to pass on the uh, the baton to uh, 
the next generation. <laughs> the next generation. That's right. Well, on on the the uplifting, brimming optimism coming from one box in this Zoom call, we've got, as we teased last week, our big season preview extravaganza. So we're gonna structure it a lot like we did with our our season review a few months back. We'll start with kind of general thoughts on the season, and I guess since Sergio is raring to go for some stuff, we'll start with start with his box on the Zoom call. Sergio, you explained a little bit in the round t- in the round table we had come out uh, a few a few hours back about the uh, upcoming season. How are you feeling knowing that Juventus obviously is still waiting to make a big summer transfer as we record here on Monday and everything like that? Yeah, it's not great. I, I don't <laughs> think I wish they could close anything. I guess much like myself in high school, they struggle with closing. You know what it is. So, you know, I think it's it's something that you just have to grow out of, I guess. <laughs> I hope they grow out of it as well, because it is like the season is is fast approaching. And obviously, you know, the, the one guy that that everything was around was Maduan Locatelli, right? And we're still waiting for him. It seems like it's been the same thing, fighting for a couple mil here and there for months now. And it really has gotten to a point that I think at this point is just it hurts. If, even if he signs for the team, I think it hurts his his integration into the squad. I think it hurts, you know, his adaptation to the squad, to the new team, to the you know tactics of of Max Allegri. I think you know even if they pull off the the signing now, which now you're starting to get the little rumors here and there, like oh if they don't get it this week, then they're looking at other options, and it's just. You know, even without Locatelli, and this is just to, to kind of give it a positive spin, I think even without Locatelli, this team should still be favored to win the league. Uh, I'm talking exclusively the league. I don't think they should be favored to win absolutely anything else. But at least the league just going man by man, going line by line, this is still probably the most talented team in Italy. And just by, you know, looking at some of the guys that had really bad seasons last year, just, you know, do you think they, they will regress back to the mean having a, 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 you know, coach like Allegri who, you know, think what you will about Pirlo and whether or not he got a rough deal. Allegri is a better coach, all things considered. So just having a better coach, just having players kind of like regress back to the mean, I, I think this team should still be favored to to win the City next year that that would be kind of like if I had to make a you know what I expect or what I think will happen I think they they will get back to to their winning ways domestically internationally look just don't embarrass yourself and we're good but you know at least domestically I think I think there's they still should be considered the favorites yeah I hate, I hate to agree with with Sergio well not that I hate agreeing with you but you hate uh, on the international front <laughs> You hate it. That sounded terrible. <laughs> that sounded terrible. <laughs> hate you, Sergio. But on the, I'll start on the national front and then kind of work backwards. Yeah, I, I expect little to nothing from from Champions League and God forbid the Europa League. If well, technically it could happen, so God forbid, you know, Europa League that we uh, crashed down into there. Uh, no, I don't expect much from that. Like Sergio said, preferably just not embarrass ourselves. I think we'll get into out of out of the group stage probably like second place or something. And then if we make it out around the 16, I'll already be impressed slash satisfied slash happy, <laughs> I guess you could say. So yeah, that, that's kind of my uh, low-ish expectations on Champions League. On the, on the, the league, yeah, it's, it's weird. I've gone back and forth about this. And, you know, obviously you mentioned the round table, Danny, and 
you know, when I was kind of writing my comments about that, I, I you know, started on one opinion and I backspace and I was like, no, not really. And it's, it's just really hard to tell. And, but eventually I kind of landed on, I think it's going to depend on how much Inter regressed uh, or regresses this season and how much Milan are well, able to stabilize the squad and did add some good depth to the squad. You know, Giroud is, I think, just a, you know, useful signing. And of course, if they can stay out of injuries, uh, because last season, really, I think anyway, Milan, if if they'd stayed somewhat fit, because it was just absurd, the amount of injuries they had, just, I mean, to the point where I thought, you know, medical staff has to take responsibility for that. Because that was just, you know, you can have an injury, you know, an unlucky injury spell, but that was just, yeah, I mean, I think that was something going on there. But yeah, if they stay somewhat fit, I think they're really going to challenge for the title. Milan. So, yeah, I mean, are Juve going to win? I, I'm not going to quite say that just yet. I don't think I think I think we'll come in a tight second. I think Milan really have a good chance of winning it. I Yeah, I rate them quite highly to win it. Um, and like I said, Inter just depends on how much they regressed, you know, new coach and just all the stuff that went on in the summer. I mean, they had like, what, two weeks to celebrate <laughs> and then, uh, you know, everything went to hell. So, yeah, I would say second place for that. Yeah, Champions League again. And Coppa Italia is always a, I mean, it's a flip of the coin. Uh, you know, cup competitions, you never, just, it just depends who puts out the better B team on the day and then who gets the semifinal. You know, I think anyone seriously from the semis onwards, from my experience anyway. So, you know, if you put out the good enough B team to get to that point and then, yeah, I mean, it's obviously two legs for the semifinals and then a one, you know, a knockoff in the final. So, yeah. Ooh, I think, I mean, yeah, we could get to the final. I, I couldn't tell you with Coppa Italia. I really couldn't tell you. But um, yeah, those are kind of my uh, overall pretty moderate expectations for the season. All things considered, though, I, at least I think we'll qualify top four without just the ridiculousness of last season. That Because it's, it's, it's essentially the same group of players. I mean, it is the same group of players from last season. And I think I remember myself and I think Sergio said the same as well, as in that, like, you know, okay, Andrea Pirlo, he had a hard time. Obviously, he was thrown into the deep end, but with the team we had, it should not have been such an almighty struggle to get top four last season. It should not have been that crazy. So at least I think, you know, with a, I mean, no disrespect to Pirlo, of course, but with a capable coach uh, in Allegri, I think we'll just comfortably get top four. But yeah, title, I'd, I think we'll just miss out on the title. I'm going to have to disagree with you, Chucks, and very much agree with Sergio in the, in the sense that we should probably be considered favorites for the title again. If for no other reason, then the league has taken a big step back towards us. Even if Atalanta were to get Duvan Zapata from Atalanta, uh, or did I say Inter or Atalanta? Uh, if Inter you're, get you're saying Atalanta. that Atalanta is going to get Duvon from Atalanta. Yeah, which that's is, what exactly. Yeah, it's a fantastic move by them. My brain, my brain is not braining. <laughs> uh, if Inter get Duvan Zapata from Atalanta, then they will not quite have taken so almighty a step back as they as they are currently constituted. But it's going to take 
based on everything I'm reading, it's going to take Atalanta finding a suitable replacement for Inter to have a shot. And that's going to be difficult with this little time left in the window for Atalanta. So I don't, I mean, I think that the main two contenders would be Milan and Atalanta. I kind of think Milan has plateaued a little bit without any major additions. I think that Atalanta have a great chance at winning the title if they don't hit that mid-season skid that that they seem to have hit the last two years. It's really kind of kept them out of that running. But for the for the most part, I think that the league has taken a bit of a step back towards us. That being said, if Locatelli, if and when Locatelli does get sealed, that vaults us forward a bit. And that I think makes us definite favorites in the in in Serie A. At that point, with a midfield that can actually function properly, then I think that we're a real a real threat. And especially if 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 Saturday was a a, a true manifestation of how Max Allegri is looking at at approaching this season, tactics wise, that could be real that could be real problems for everybody else in Italy because I I'll I'll say it. I, if, if he does that in games, what he did on Saturday in games that matter and it works, then I will have been definitively proven wrong when I said all through last year that no other coach could get anything better out of this group. Cause I didn't believe it at the time. Allegri has shown that it might be done at least in a friendly we have to wait and see what uh, what happens if and if that's even going to be the way he lines up the majority of the season because he's such a chameleon he'll do anything at any given time. As but yeah, I I think that we should be considered the favorite, um, if not the favorite, one of the two favorites to win the league. When it comes to Champions League, I am not expecting a whole ton. I I think you'll make the group or make it out of the group. I think with a decent draw, and again. A Locatelli, you know, Locatelli in the side as opposed to not in the side. That the quarterfinal could be a possibility, but I'm not too too bullish beyond that. And it would be really great if we could just bypass the the big crap and get something like Lille or Sporting in the in the group stage and the draw. That would be really nice. But yeah, I like like Sergio said, don't embarrass yourself and try. I, I just I'm just hoping for a for an upward tick this year. Really, but I I do think that the Scudetto is very very solidly in play again, and and is there to be won. I think. Yeah, I feel like I'm about to pick and choose off a bunch of different things. I agree on some things that all three of y'all said, and disagree on a lot of things too. But I want to start in Europe because everyone you know talking about not wanting to be embarrassed. We're not expecting a lot from Champions League. You know, you want that draw to be favorable. The only way to be embarrassed is to get a favorable draw. So if you're going to the round of 16, draw Bayern Munich, lose to them. Nobody cares. Nobody cares at that point, you know? So I don't really want a favorable draw because that just is, that's just going to end poorly for, for, you know, everybody. That's just asking for yet another bad round of 16 knockout. So that's, that's I'm always for, if you're going to make it to the final, you got to play them anyway, eventually. So take them in the first round because if, if you lose then, at least you get some extra rest time down the road for the league. And also on, on the league, I don't – obviously there are some regressions from, from teams in Italy, but I don't think it's as teams haven't 
regressed as much as you might be insinuating on, on that front, even, even with Inter losing the amount of talent that they did lose. And they're not, I don't think, I think Juventus is still a favorite here, but I don't necessarily think that it's, it's a, they're a long favorite by any means over Inter or over Milan or over Atlanta. You know, I, I don't, I don't see, and this goes back to what I think everyone has touched on, is that this group really isn't that much different. I love Max Allegri. He has proven himself that he can do a lot with, you know, whatever he has to work with, both in Europe and domestically. But this group really isn't that different, especially if Locatelli doesn't show up in Turin over the next two weeks, you know. So I, I would say Juventus is favorite, but going into last season, they were, they were the favorite too. So that doesn't necessarily mean too much. I think for they're going to be the favorite probably for a little while. They've, I think you could might put them in as a favorite going into next year already. But I don't necessarily think that expectations should be the, the same as they have been in the past, where if you don't win anything, you know, it's, it's a complete failure. And I think touching on the fact that we have people here saying, you know, finishing second and it'd be fine, just regroup, maybe get some extra players. And I, Obviously, that sucks to say when you're Juventus, you want to win every trophy, and if you don't, you're a failure. But at the same time, I don't think that uh, what you're looking at with the group that you have can can say you're going to win out and win a treble, so or even a domestic double. I don't I don't know if that should be a realistic expectation for for this season. We touched on Max a little bit, and before we move on to our next thing, I just want to kind of throw the question out there: How much do we expect? Allegri to change things this season and obviously you know we've we know it's a a flawed squad even if Locatelli does end up signing and like I said before we're recording this on Monday where Juventus apparently still have a meeting or two left in them which is surprising because they seem to have had all of the meetings with Sassuolo over the last few weeks but you know this time last year we were obviously talking about Pirlo his inexperience getting himself really comfortable with the squad itself was the main thing. Well, Allegri is the opposite of that. He's very much a proven commodity, not only at Juventus, but in the managerial game as a whole. So that's a long way to to posing the question of how big of a impact do we think Allegri will have on this squad? Not necessarily down the road when, you know, some of the the older pieces on the squad move on. So it's a really good question. You know, especially considering all of the the talk that we've been hearing ever since we, ever since he came on back on board about how he wants the team to be younger, he wants to the team to to you know he wants a young team to 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 grow and nurture as a project. You know, like I said, it, it's been a long time since I thought anybody could get a huge amount out of this team, and I was still seriously question, questioning whether Allegri could. And then they went and played a really damn good game against Atalanta, who are going to be one of their primary Scudetto contenders in their in the final tune-up. You know, one person that I that I talked to a lot about, about Juve and about soccer in general was talking about the, you know, closing out the Beneventos of the world uh, as opposed to last season. Whether or not Allegri can do that, I think, is going to be the biggest key as opposed to what happened last year we're not gonna you know be be railing guys out teams out you know four five or six nil the way the the big teams in spain do to to the bottom of that league we we've never done that 
even at, at, at the height of things, we'd never done, we, we weren't doing that. You know, we were beating Ampoli 2-1, 3-1, that sort of thing. But it, I think Allegri's biggest thing has to be in those games, to not lose those points, the points that until last season we started taking for granted against the likes of a Benevento or a Hellas Verona or a Fiorentina to, to say, you know, the, these are the points that we're going to get that make the games against the big guys, the, the big boys, mean what they mean. That That's Allegri's biggest task, I think. Because we did play relatively on par with the, the biggest teams in, in Serie A over the course of last season. Even split against Inter, even split against Milan, even split against Atalanta. Lazio would have beaten them twice, if not for 15 seconds. So... So yeah, I, I think that that's where it comes. That you know, is is Allegri going to be the guy that can lock that can get this team to lock those games down? Maybe he throws his jacket a few times and and uh, and, and and get those points that that this team was dropping that that we haven't seen them drop since you know since Jean Claude Blanc was the president of this team. <laughs> Um, oh boy, that that's certainly a name that doesn't bring back good memories. No, no, it does not. But like, but but that's that's the last time that is the last time that you that you that, that you watched this team and you didn't think of those points as those points in those games as as done as in the bank already. And then last season they weren't, and that's the biggest reason why we were a Federico Di Marco away from winning the, from, from, from being in the Europa league this year. So yeah, I, I, I think that's his biggest thing. And I think to motivate the team in those kinds of games to get everything back on track, I think he can do it. You know, even if the team doesn't work, doesn't fit together enough, there's enough individual moments in this team to beat the bottom feeders. It's a matter of getting it right. Yeah. Just to piggyback off Sam. You know, this last season would have been dramatically different if we had, like you said, if we had just beaten the Beneventos, the Cotones. I mean, it was just immensely frustrating stuff. I remember we talked about it, I don't know, what is it, 20-ish episodes ago or so, just about how incredibly frustrating frustrating that was. And we we uh, talked about it points. for what felt like 20-ish straight episodes, Chuck. Yeah, yeah we probably did, actually. <laughs> yeah, the consistency and the, well, lack thereof, I should say. Yeah, just dropping points against Mantellino, Benevento, you know, Cotone, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, I mean, to go back to your question, yeah, that is really the number one just to stop screwing up, frankly, teams like that. And just, yeah, not dropping those cheap points because, um, <clears throat> like you said, Sam, uh, you know, we did well against the Lazio at Atalanta. Well, okay, against Atalanta, we lost and tied, I think. But we did well against Inter, against Milan. Yeah, all the top contenders we did well against, but just against the small teams, we messed up. So I think that would be a big change from Max. But also, honestly, I think something that I think we generally on the, on the website we've talked about and just you know, on the podcast as well, but maybe has been a little bit in the background lately. It's just our defense. I mean, defensively, we've been really, really bad, really bad the last few years. And that has been, I mean, obviously has hurt us and uh, it's been just gone from tradition from Juve. I mean, we've always been good defensively, 
and to not be good defensively anymore as Juve. That's almost like, you know, it's almost like if Barca didn't do tiki-taka anymore, <laughs> which I guess arguably they don't anymore, but I don't know really what they do anymore. But, you know, if we at least just restore defensively team, I think Max will do that definitely or focus on that anyway. Just focus on getting some clean sheets again and just consecutive clean sheets and just uh, minimizing the, well, stopping the bleeding, as I like to say, of just how many goals we've conceded over the last, uh, yeah, two seasons, I'll say. Yeah, two seasons, really. What's the count on consecutive games without a clean sheet now? Oh, man, it was a lot. It was double. Yeah, it was definitely double digits. I forget how many. I remember we were keeping track at one point, but it was definitely double digits, which is bad, which is, I mean, just frankly embarrassing. Yeah, if we can get that, you know, defensively kind of sorted out and just stop dropping as many points against, you know, all those kind of scrappy clubs. And yeah, I think those those two changes already will be huge for for the team rather. So uh, yeah, hopefully those two. I think that we again touched on it. you talk about the the young players and Allegri has had a history of being able to make some of these guys better so I think in the long run you could see the Allegri change being <clears throat> better for Kulisewski and and McKinney and Chiesa and guys who are ready to take that you know to their to the next level and we've already seen where you know he wants to use Rodrigo Bentancur in a, in a completely different role too so hopefully that that gets him you know the best we can get out of him which we've been waiting for 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 three seasons now because everyone knows how good he can be. And yet we can't figure out how to get him there all the time. So hopefully Allegri can do that after coming back. And if he had him for one season before he left, but I am a little worried that Allegri doesn't make a huge difference in how the attack works together because he, I mean, there was no secret that before he left, he was not a big fan of working with Ronaldo. And there have been times where that's been the problem with the attack where the, the front line doesn't work well together. They don't mesh. It's just this one guy who's scoring all the goals for you. And at the same time, just what, what Chuck was just saying about, about the defense, how much difference is, is that going to make? We've already seen the friendlies that there's still just the dumb mistakes in the back that by the same players, because the, the back line isn't any different. You know, we know how special the lit is, but I mean, at times he, he can't do everything. And then when he's forced into doing everything, even he's making mistakes. So I, I think you're going it, to, it's a lot to put on, on Allegri for sure. So I am concerned about the, the little things that, that, that need to be changed that might not, especially in the first couple of months, you might see a lot of the same mistakes. I do think in the long run though, that obviously having Allegri back at the helm, it, it, it is a good thing and it is going to make a difference. Um, but it, it just might take some time. And uh, as we know, you know, Juventus fans are the most patient, so I'm sure it's going to be okay. I mean, that's the thing about this is that this is a fundamentally flawed squad still from the way that Fabio Paratici built it. You know, we've got we've got six right wingers and hardly any fullbacks and, you know, midfielders that all do the same thing. So, you know, Max is one of the better coaches out there, but Sometimes a coach can only do as much as his roster allows him to do. And that's, that's, that's a lot to ask in that one. And as we look on this roster, obviously there are a lot of talented players and I'm sure a few players that we would prefer not be in, in Bianconero this, this season. But as we look at individual players, who are you guys looking at as maybe your go-to or standout player 
this season. And I would assume there are some obvious ones, but maybe, maybe some ones that they, we might not be thinking about as the guys or the kind of big reasons why Juventus has success over the next eight, nine months. Yeah. So, you know, I think, I think I have to, I have to go, I have to chill for my guy. I have to have to, you know, stand up for my guy. And, and that's Paulo Dybala. And, and we forget that, you know, he played, well, we don't forget, we obviously know, but you know, when people knew that when people were like, Oh, I wonder what's wrong with the club. It's like, I don't think a lot of people mentioned that the actual MVP of the league, the guy that, you know, was voted as the best player in the league, played almost no games last year. And, you know, sure, the, like like Sam said, the, the squad was flawed. Sure, it was, you know, Pirlo was a rookie coach. There were a lot, a lot of factors. But I think a big factor for why last season was, you know, such a, a disappointment in terms of results, it was that they just didn't have Paulo Dybala. And because, you know, we can sit here and, and discuss, you know, his positional inflexibility and, and, you know, his contract that it just might never get done and all of that. But at in the end, he's just a really, really good player to have on your team. He allows you to do a lot of things. He is, he scores goals. He's very creative. He, he can do a lot for a team. And I don't think it's necessarily a coincidence that when Paulo Dybala has been at his best, Juventus has been at their best. Like th- th- those, those things definitely have a correlation because that is, he is a very, very good player. And I think just, I, you know, early on, I was talking about that, just about how many things just regressing back to the mean is just going to mean a better season for Juventus. And one of those things is having Paulo Dybala back, even at his worst, he's a, you know, 10 to 15 goal scorer with, you know, eight to 10 assists at his worst. That's what we've seen him. So that that's always going to help a team, you know, no matter what team you are. So I, I think as a player to look out as a player that, that, you know, it's definitely, you know, the, the guy that you're looking for, if you're looking for a bounce back and a reason for why this new Max Allegra project can work a lot is just having a, a healthy, ready to go fit Paulo Dybala. And, you know, if, if you want to, if we want to do the overreaction to one friendly, he looked pretty damn good against Atalanta. He scored a goal. He was he was very, very active. He was kind of playing that false nine role that we all want him to play, but he has never really played. He was finally kind of doing that in sort of a free-flowing free role that was just very appealing to see. And, and you know, if, if he can keep doing that, if he can have one of his bin-touch Dybala seasons, this is just a, an entirely different team. Yeah, I was really leaning towards... Dabala as well, just because I, you, I mean, you said it all so well. It, it's, it's different when he's at his best and when he's actually able to be on the field. So hopefully we get to see that. So I'm, I'm gonna make sure to jump in here before someone else takes any more of the ones that I had listed. But I think I feel pretty safe uh, on this one because th- it's not necessarily maybe the, the person I think will have the best season, but I think he's very important to the season and kind of in the same thought that that Sergio had a bounce back year. If Chesney is a world-class goalie again, there are little things that happened last season that change so much when he when he plays at his best. And so I think that he's extremely important to, to the season as a whole, to the success as a whole. Because if I mean, if nothing changes and he and he is reverting a little bit, and you see that between you know now and December. I don't think it's, you know, out of the question to say that Juventus would be in the market for a goalkeeper in January. 
because I'm not really sure Pren is the answer here. But anyway, I think that Chesney, it, I think that he he has a turnaround. He's looked pretty decent in friendlies, and, and I think he looked good at the Euros too. So, you know, I think hopefully he is going to be be a difference maker again rather than just be the guy who we put in goal because, you know, we don't have another option. I mean, Buffon was better than him last year, and, you know, Buffon's probably still better than him because we stand Buffon on this podcast, and no one can tell me otherwise. Correct. But, yes. But, but you know, seeing how he's gone, he, he's somewhere else, and I'm happy for him. But uh, Chesney has to be the guy, and I think he will be, and I don't think there will be as many questions raised about his play this season as there has been, you know, over the past 12 months. Yeah, definitely didn't uh, expect that shout out either, actually, uh, Chesney. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, you're right, though. He does have he does have a lot to prove for sure. And I did actually see a highlight of uh, Buffon for Parma. He uh, made a good, I mean, brilliant save, which I was like, yeah, my man. <laughs> man Still but, got it. <laughs> yeah, he sure does. Sure does. Um, no, my pick. Uh, yeah, my pick's actually going to be, uh, you know, an American. Uh, old uh, Weston McKinney. <laughs> you could have gone with the Homer pick. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, that's too easy. That's too easy. <laughs> nah, come on. I mean, I, I got to do things a little different. I mean, we've been there 60 episodes. I can't, can't, can't become predictable now after 60 episodes. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, no, it's, it's, uh, yeah, it's Weston McKenney, simply because I think that area of the pitch, as we've talked about at nauseum for the last season or two, has the most to, uh, I guess, the most to gain. Maybe that's the way, right way to say it, or just that the midfield has the most is the area with the most um space where if just one person stands out it's like they'll clearly stand out because it's i mean it's just not been a great a great section of the of the pitch for the team so you know if we have yeah one midfielder two midfielders doing really great then it's going to stand out so much because we've had such a hard time in midfield the last uh last few years and you know mckenny obviously had that injury yeah plate season uh, where he sort of have you know these semi injuries all the time and um, yeah I mean it's just not a good way to have a first season at a club but he's one of the few players that actually has had a true preseason and a true summer break and yeah was able to do preseason and with a coach that I believe prioritizes uh, well defensive solidity and by extension midfield uh, structure quite a bit so I think that will be just having a coach that really prioritizes that in, in, you know, more than, well, more than, not, don't want to say more than Pirlo, but again, just like just knowing the club more knowing how, again, since it's basically all the same players, well, the majority of them were uh, players that he's worked with. So I think that will speed things up pretty well for, uh, well, for the team in general and, and then for McKinney specifically. So, uh, yeah, I am, um, you know, I think he'll be uh, a standout player. Darn you, Chucks, for stealing my guy. Yeah, I got to do and, it, man. Got to do and, it. And also, just to you, you were talking about the the defensive solidity that McKenney brings. Also, I I really do think that Max specifically sees him as an analog to Sammy to Sammy Kadira before Sammy Kadira's body stopped doing things. I, I think he wants him to be that guy who'll who'll run it who'll run the channel up from midfield and be a and and wreak some havoc and get get some headers in i i think that's going to be a real key to to this attack going forward but to shift on to my secondary choice it it's got it's going to be federico chiesa's time this year i was in a discussion in another group about 
who everybody thought the the breakout was going to have their breakout season this year. And I said, and I asked legitimately, does Chiesa count or has he already had it? Because he was legitimately the, I think, the best player on the team last year. Uh, he stepped up in all the biggest games, you know, the Champions League knockout. He was just, he he was everything that the team was. Copa final. He, he, he is so good and it's, and it really is. And, and I was expecting him to do well when he came, I, I, you know, a lot of people were expecting Benedeschi 2.0. I thought that we were going to be getting more than that, but I didn't quite know how, just how much more. And between last season and especially these euros to see him blossom into this guy that is just so confident and he will take on absolutely anybody and he will run past them because he is faster than them. You know, to, to see him get on the ball and just start surging forward and you know that no one's going to catch him. There was that great moment in the first half against Atalanta on Saturday when Dybala found him with this headed pass and he just ran right by the the Atalanta back three to latch onto the ball and had a, a, a really a really good shot near post go just over the, over the bar. If he, the counterattack too, that led to the goal. I mean, you look at, yeah, that's yeah. The three of them. I mean, it was Ronaldo Chiesa and Dybala, but I mean, Chiesa, once he got that ball from Ronaldo, I mean, he just exploded to the, to the touchline. And I mean, I said it in my post afterwards. I mean, he just, he couldn't have delivered that cross any better. I mean, it was just absolutely perfect. Yeah. And so I, I think that as he grows, because he's not done yet. I don't think he's done. We're, we're looking at a we're looking at a Pavel Nedved type player with him, I think. I think that's the comp really. And and if he keeps on this trajectory, he is very quickly going to be the absolute star for this team. The kind of of pure attacking star that I really don't know if this team has had almost since Alessandro Del Piero left the team or, you know, Dybala. Cause I mean, you, you can make the argument for Dybala there as well, but it's, it's just, you know, you know, he has been so up and down these last three seasons, you know, Chiesa can be a symbol of this club for a lot of years. And I think that this, you know, this is the year, you know, he, he takes the, everything that he did in the Euros everything that he did last year builds on that. And we're looking, we're going to be looking at something real special in black and white for a long time. Anything else before we move on gents? Who's yours? Who's mine? Uh, let's see. That's a good question. I didn't really, you'd think I'd put some thought into it, but I didn't really put some thought into it. <laughs> Honestly, if we're looking at simply players who are vastly important, I would say Leonardo Bonucci for the simple fact is we know Delict is most of the time going to be Delict, which is very good. But we've mentioned it before, and especially when he signed a con- his contract a few weeks ago, relying on Giorgio Chiellini these days isn't exactly a good idea. And then you also factor in who Juventus's new fourth choice central defender is. And you know, say what you want about how Juve might have spurned him in the past he's definitely not at a level of shoot even Mary Demerol right now so I don't I think Benucci just for the fact that Juventus need him 
to be consistent, which at large chunks of his Juventus career has been a problem. So hopefully there's a post-Euro boost going on with him and he can continue that form. He didn't look very good against Atalanta. I know that's a friendly and it's one game, but, you know, with Leo, you, you never really know. So for me, it's Leonardo Bonucci because I think, you know, we said it a few minutes ago. We can't have Delict doing everything. And if Delict is being forced into doing everything, that probably means Juventus is leaking in a few too many goals than they should. We need the guy that was stepping into those tackles against the likes of Spain and Belgium and not the one that does that dance that Danny loves so much out yes, at the edge yes, of the, the box. The uh, sticking his backside out and pulling his, I believe it's usually his his left foot around and hoping hoping for the best. So that's always that I don't know. We should come up with a name for that move from Benucci because it's always it's always pretty interesting. I had a, a wild card uh, option actually. I just uh, just thought of and I really, I swear, I don't mean this to be like some kind of hot take or something or some kind of, you know, stirring the pot. Save, save the hot takes for Sergio. That's what he's doing for. <laughs> yeah, that's his job. <laughs> and he's uh, way better at it than I am. So, uh, ah. you know. um, yeah, there you go. There you go. Compliments. There you go. See, I'm a merciful man. No, I think actually, I was thinking about this today, but I think possibly, possibly Aaron Ramsey, depending on how this experiment goes with him in the Regista position. Are you trying to make Sam's head explode? <laughs> <laughs> like I said, it's, I, I I don't mean this to be a you know a um, hot take of some sort, but uh, you know, hence it's a wild card. I sort of considered him having him as my first option, but I was like, okay, that's a little too uh, a little too uh, tinfoil hat there. <laughs> yeah, I think if I mean, there's a lot of ifs here, a lot of ifs that have to go well, but I liken his situation now with him possibly being a Gista to the situation with. Christian Eriksen at uh, Inter uh, last last season slash, yeah, yeah, last season, basically. You know, I mean, Eriksen was basically written off. I mean, quite literally, he was written off. He was put on a transfer market. Beppe Marotta publicly said he's on the transfer market. They, you know, they didn't want him. And, well, anyway, nobody bought him. And then they thought, well, I guess if he's here, we're going to have to figure something out with him. And, well, they did. <laughs> Conte figured something out with him. And he was, I mean, he was outstanding for them. Uh, he was just revitalized. And what I understand, he sort of did play in a regista position as well. With While, you know, at Tottenham, he played really behind. I mean, he had that 4-2-3-1, and he played in that one behind uh, Harry Kane at the time. Um, well, still, who knows where he will go. But, yeah, I mean, that just, you know, re rediscovered his form and just became a really, really important player for Inter. And obviously now he has that, you know, tragic incident that he had at the Euros. But I think Aaron Ramsey could be similar, could, could, big if obviously, but could be similar to kind of that trajectory of being written off and then being put into a different position with sort of a different coach. I mean, the same coach, but then different, you know, different time now. And it, I mean, it really, it could work. And if it works, I think it will be, it will be like a new signing to have him a play in good form and b be in a position where we haven't really had someone, I mean, take claim that position as his uh, for quite some years now. So it's been kind of a merry-go-round of kind of plugging a hole there, and you know who who wants to kind of yeah fill that position as a stopgap measure. But we haven't had someone claim that position as his since like Pirlo basically. So, yeah, I think that could be a, you know, really, really big 
if if that comes off, I think it would be a masterstroke from Allegri, and you know that could help us uh, help us uh, win the scudetto, maybe. Maybe, but as this man once said, if you ain't first, you're last. So uh, you know, if we if we don't win, well, hey, we're last. You know, it it could work great until the first muscle injury, and then that too. <laughs> <laughs> that too. <laughs> I mean, I, I said ifs. Lots of big ifs, you know. <laughs> but you're over under 17 minutes from the start of the podcast. That's when the first must. Yeah. Happen. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yep. True that. True that. All right, All right, Sergio. Well, Chuck's mentioned his under the radar player. Who's your under the radar contributor for this upcoming season? You know that that's a good question. I honestly, I, I Chuck's took mine. Uh, he jumped the gun and he took mine and he didn't respect the sanctity of, of, of the order. And that's fine. I guess we're all just have, going to have to live with that. That's fine. Um, if you ain't first or last. <laughs> no, you know, I, I think uh, a guy that I think it's, it's underrated in the sense that we've in a way taking him for granted it's, it's Alexandro. And, and that's, you know, we were talking about our, our lack of fullbacks, which, you know, still exists. But I think, you know, Alexandro has been a guy that we have taken for granted just because he never really, you know, held that level that he, he had in, in that, you know, 16, 17 season where he really did look like, you know, arguably one of the best, if not the best left back, left backs in the world. You know, he, he never really kind of get, got back to that place. But he's still, and and you know, even in the in the power rankings piece I did, I, I just I always put him in that you know solid contributor tier because that's what he is. Like even at his worst, he's still like a solid you know solid defender. He still you know does that role great, especially when you have a guy like Cristiano Ronaldo on that left wing, which you know he does a lot of things very well. But defending is not you know one of those things. You know he takes a bigger you know brunt of that of that you know defending responsibility i think he's one of those guys that we just take him for granted for a while he's kind of struggled a little bit with injuries a little bit with you know the the formations that both sari and pirlo kind of put him in in that you know sort of hybrid role that he doesn't really thrive in his better years came under max allegri where he was just allowed to be a normal left back and and I think he I think he could be primed for a, a, a comeback season. I don't think he's ever gonna go back to that level, to that level where again, like everyone was saying, like you know him and Marcelo in that Cardiff final, it was a legitimate argument. Like this wasn't like a like a homer pick. It was a legitimate argument. Who was the better left back at that time? And and I don't think he will ever exactly go back to that level. But I think he will have kind of like a bounce back season, another, you know, vintage Sandro season where he's just a very reliable dude, just, you know, day in, day out, good performances. And I think they're going to need that from him because like Sam said, we don't have a ton of fullbacks right now. I, I just, I really, really, really don't want to see a scenario in which Mattia De Siglio gets any sort of meaningful minutes. So, you know, any sort of injury there kind of forces our hand. So I really I'm, I'm looking forward for a, a bounce back season from from Sandra and, and for him to, you know, slowly but surely kind of start kind of making his name as a, as a Juve, not necessarily a Juve great, but definitely a guy that we will remember a lot of years from now because he's been with the team for so long now. And like I said, pretty much always reliable. I, I think he's going to be a, a, a guy to watch, you know, in, in that sort of underrated way. Kind of the left sided Licksteiner almost. Yeah, that, I mean, that's an apt comparison. Yeah, yeah, pretty similar. Just like very, very steady. 
very, very good. Never great, but very good for a long time, which is, you know, nothing to scoff at. Not, not as grumpy either. No, no, no. And well, who is? Who, yeah, no, no one is. No one is as grumpy as Licksteiner. But, you know, Licksteiner made Marco Motta go away and Marco Motta was a very bad man. So uh, we, we, we all owe him a great debt in that regard. Under the radar players, I, I've been, I've been kind of debating a little bit on this one. And I think I'm going to, I think I know which way I'm going to go on it now. And I, and I think this is mainly because we have not seen him in preseason, thanks to the obligatory Max Allegri muscle injuries that, that crop up over the course of the season. And that's Adrian Rabio. By the end of the season, we were talking about him as the best midfielder on the team. And, you know, between, you know, what we kind of are, are, have been seeing out of, out of McKenney in the preseason and what we have really seen out of Rodrigo Bentancourt, which is some potentially potential rebounding out of him, you know, with Rabio out and, and definitely missing, you know, this first game against Udinese and we don't really have a timetable for his return. You, you know, we haven't really talked about him a lot and I, you know, he's still on talent is might be the best midfielder on this team. He played very well in for France, especially in a, you know, those la- the France's last two games in a really unfamiliar role when he had to go in as an emergency left back. I hope they burned that footage before Allegri sees it because we might then <laughs> we'll end up seeing that again. But everything that we that Chucks and I just talked about with McKenny on the right side of midfield, Rabio can do on the left side of it. And some and sometimes with more skill. And I think that it's, you know, if, if we, you know, when we get him back from injury, if, if he is motivated and that's the other thing about him is that he, there, he'll have a couple of weeks here and there where he just zonks out and he becomes a, a neutral at best, you know, a passenger at best and a liability at worst, get him, get him on the field, get him right. And, you know, with the right mix of midfielders in there, you've got a really damn good, you know, like we've, like we've been saying for a while, there are a lot of really talented players in this team and in this midfield, they just don't all go together in the same way in, in the right ways. And if you can find a way for, for Rabio to really be in the place where he can maximize everything about his talent, that's going to, that that that's gonna make make him a, a force. So I I would I would keep an eye on him. Once again, we have this big theme of, of either central midfielders, then we threw in a Brazilian fullback. And so what I want to do is I want to squish all of it together for my wild card because it's a true wild card who no one really knows what position he's gonna play under Allegri. But why take a fullback when we don't have very many and put him into the midfield? It's because he's better in the midfield, and that's Danilo because he he is. Yes, I there love he is. Him. I love him playing in central midfield. I the love new so number much. six. Yes. The new number six. And, and the, I mean, the problem is we're so crowded right there. We don't really know how it's going to work. You're going to see 10 different combinations in the first three months of the season probably in that midfield. But, I mean, he's not scared of making these passes. We saw that for sure in friendlies. He's, he's always hitting it with conviction that like he's making an argument to the Supreme Court or something. I don't know what's going on. But – He's always confident in his passes. His defending is good enough to hold down the midfield where other guys can get forward and he he knows where he needs to be. I mean, he, he's a smart guy. His distribution's there. There's a certain point where I think that I trust his long balls more than I trust Benucci's because whenever Benucci does it, there's a good chance it's a line drive and it bounces 30 yards backwards off of a guy right in front of him. 
So I just really like him in central midfield. I don't know how many minutes he'll get there just because of the fact that, you know, you, you need to have a right back who knows what he's doing and, you know, defending and not just Quadrado bombing forward. I love Quadrado. He's gotten better at the defending part of being a right back, but you'd obviously rather have Danilo backing him up than, than Dechilio. So I don't know how, how much we're going to see of central midfield Danilo, but I, I want to see it and I want to see it a lot. So I, I hope I get to, and that would be, that's why it's a wild card pick and not necessarily, I think that's something that's definitely going to happen. It's just something I think could happen. And I want to see all right, let us get to the Twitter questions from at Arca Corner 3. Could Federico Bernadeschi as, as a central midfielder really be that guy from midfield that pushes into the attacking third and scores goals? I know, probably not, but I mean, <laughs> could he? Sure. I mean, but, you know, a lot of things could happen. You know, the, the thing with him is that, that that he would have been another great pick for that wild card, uh, you know, spot that we were talking about because we really – at this point, I've I've learned to not, you know, put any sort of, you know, hope into a Bernardeschi revival. I know he had a feel-good Euros performance. You know, I know he just had a great goal against Atalanta. But, you know, we've seen this over and over again in his Juve tenure, right? Like, he has a few couple get good games, and we get our, our hopes high, and, and, you know, he goes back to being the same guy that we've seen the last four years, you know? Do I think just, you know, if we put him in, in that midfield position, could he thrive? You know, he has the physical skills to do it, maybe. But, I mean, at this point, we're just, you know, kind of, it feels to me like with Bernadeschi, just, you know, throwing stuff at the wall and seeing what sticks and seeing what kind of, you know, best way they can feel him that he's not that much of a waste, right? And it sounds rough, but let's be real. If... If there were no, if, if there wasn't a pandemic happening, which, you know, let's all take a second to imagine that happening. Uh, but if that hadn't happened, he would not be on the team any longer. Like, I mean, that's just a fact. If it was just like normal, you know, summer transfer seasons, he, he would have been either loaned out or outright sold. Like, I mean, this is a guy who just doesn't have a place in the roster, who kind of fills in here and there, who is not first or second choice really anywhere in the lineup like if you think about it like I think he's probably third string in in most of the positions he plays in he you know he is what he is and and we can you know sit here and debate it's because you know uh we misused him because you know he had bad luck uh, injuries whatever you will right but at this point I just don't think he's a guy that you can really count on 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 giving you anything you know, to make or break your season. If, if he has a couple good games, if he has a couple decent spells in which he provides depth, I think you call that a success. And, and that's that, you know, it, it sucks for him. It sounds bad. It sounds harsh, but I think we, we've seen a large enough sample size to know that that's, that's where we are with Bernardeschi. All right, Caleb, over to you for this one from at Juventino, Juventino underscore BNA. Should we be a little angry at Weston McKinney's rating in FIFA? 75 seems a little bit low. Yeah, no, it's definitely going to go up for him this season. I'm looking forward to it. And he needs to have his work rates changed because they're medium, medium, and they very clearly should be high, high. I mean, I don't know what they're thinking. But don't worry, he got a 92 special like about a month and a half ago, I'm using, it's been a lot of fun. So, you know, as long as he gets some special cards, I'll be happy. It doesn't really matter. Chuck's you ready? 
I was born ready because if you ain't first, you're last. <laughs> All right. From at Duicarta. Don't you stick that knife in your leg. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, recently we rewatched that. Well, I sort of fell asleep. I shouldn't say that. No, no. I shouldn't. Never mind. That's going to be a tangent. <laughs> Sorry. Continue. <laughs> After two years trying to go forward with progressive slash entertaining football, it looks to, looks to me we're going back to defense first mindset and attack with vertical passes outside of delict. This is an aging backline. Do we have what it takes to play good team defense all season long and win? Uh, short answer. Yes. I mean, do we have the capability? Hell, we have the capability to win the quadruple technically. So, uh, but um, will we, that is the question. Yeah. You know, this is one of those things where it sounds kind of cliche, but I mean, defending starts from the front. Um, that's why I remember I said this, uh, gosh, I don't know how many episodes ago. But I think I'd compare the situation to Liverpool, not the Liverpool of last season, but the <laughs> Liverpool of the season before that, where, you know, the pressing started from that front three of Firmino, uh, Salah, and Mane, uh, Sadio Mane. You know, they were the first line of defense. And then obviously midfield and and uh, back four. Uh, sure, they had Virgil or had Virgil van Dijk, but, you know, it starts from the front. So, yeah, I mean... It, Coming back to Juventus, I mean, yeah, it starts from the front, but we don't really have forwards that are, uh, I don't know, particularly keen on <laughs> defending. So it's going to, once again, fall on to the midfield, I think, on, you know, how defensively solid we'll be. I'm sure everybody thinks of like, okay, we we concede a lot of goals. I was a defense, defense. I mean, sure, but that's kind of the easy way or a, a, a kind of a cop-out to say, you know, it's the defense but yeah, it will have to be the midfield. And that's why it's obviously this whole ordeal with Locatelli and and just, I mean, anyone just standing out, like ha- just having midfielders that stand out this season. And why someone like McKinney will be so important as well, just to provide some kind of defensive solidity or restore defensive solidity to the team. So uh, yeah, I mean, do we have the capacity to do it? Sure. But um, yeah, it's going to come down to the midfield as always. And I think Allegri's probably the man to you know restore some kind of solidity to the midfield once again and i mean he's obsessed with you know uh structure yeah formation structure and just tactical discipline so uh he's the man to do it so uh i think we can but will we uh what do i know just to think a little bit about that as well the fact that the back line is aging in allegri's type of uh, football is actually more advantageous for Allegri because, you know, what, what was the, what were the concerns with the guy like Saudi who plays a really high line up near the halfway stripe is if the ball gets behind him, would guys like uh, Chiellini and Benucci be fast enough to get there? You don't have that problem. The game will be probably will most likely be played more in front of Bonucci and Chiellini if they're on the field at the same time or or either or alongside the lake. So I think that that does lessen the impact of the age of those two guys in the defensive phase a little bit. All right, right back over to you, Say. We talked a little bit about defense. Now we will talk a little bit about offense from Ian Shaw. Ronaldo Dybala Chiesa or Ronaldo Marata Chiesa with potentially Dybala behind them. Chiesa, Ronaldo, Kulusevsky, maybe Dybala behind them. Which one would you play if you were Max Allegri? You got all those, by uh, the way? 
Yeah, yeah. Um, I've I've got the I've got the diagram and I've got the the pins with the strings. Uh, got your chalkboard up, all that. Got, stuff. Yeah, got the got the the chalkboard and X's and O's all over the place. It, it does it does kind of depend, which is a bit of a cop out. But I I think that the strongest lineup at this moment is Ronaldo, DiBala, Chiesa, especially if. Allegri goes with this kind of hybrid 4-4-2-4-3-3 thing that he was doing against Atalanta where you know once Juve got the ball Dybala slipped into a false nine and Chiesa pushed up from the left midfield spot from the right midfield spot rather that that I think is probably the best way to go if you're protecting a lead late then I definitely see Morata being really valuable as a later game sub because he is the one of the, of our attackers alongside you know he and Chiesa are guys that can that can press up forward a little bit and make life more difficult in that area of the pitch if for a team that's trying to re- to load up for an attack and Kulusevski I as much as I love him I think he's probably going to be relegated to a a super sub role this year, which probably will suit him running against tired legs, kind of like Chiesa did at the beginning of the Euros. And, and, and that's going to, you know, and it does bring its own problems, you know, because a lot of people bemoan the defensive side when you've got Dybala and Ronaldo on this field at the same time. But that is your strongest front three. That is your strongest lineup. And, and, I, and I think that you also have guys like McKenney adding Ariel where Dybala doesn't at the number nine spot to make up for that. So, yeah, I think that that, I think that's the best way to go front three wise. All right. Over to Sergio for the next one from our friend of the pod, David Desperate at the true RAC Sergio define a quote unquote successful season. Also, what do you want to see the most from this team? Passion, midfield success, happiness. Yeah. Happiness is good. Happiness (laughs) is fine. I I think it's, you know, I think that's been the thing that I've disliked the most about this last couple seasons, just that that they haven't been enjoyable, you know, and that has a lot to do with a lot of off the field factors like the pandemic, I, I you know, obviously, but it, it just hasn't been enjoyable to watch, you know, between the, the, the off field issues and the, the, you know, managerial drama and then just not having a, a team that seems particularly happy to be there, happy to be playing. The, the, it, it was just unenjoyable to watch you know Juventus football for the last two three years so yeah I mean obviously on the field I I think you know we touched we touched on it on the beginning I think you know you should call it a success if you you know you you regain their you know your Serie A title I think that is very much very much within reach I that's what I would call a successful season advancing deeper in Europe almost only for you know because of financially you know we've talked a lot about how you know they've lost a lot of the the revenues because of the pandemic but another big factor is they just haven't gone deep in Europe and and in years prior they really depended upon that that you know revenue stream to to kind of keep them afloat so these last couple seasons in which you know they get bounced in the round of 16 that's hurt hurt them a lot too so I think you know financially just that success would would have to involve a deeper European run. Do I think sporting wise, that makes a ton of sense? Probably not, but I think that would have to be something to consider if you're talking about financial success, just on the field. I think if you win Serie A again, 
if you you know play good enjoyable football i i would call that a successful season just don't just don't be a drag to watch and i think that'd be that just as a fan that already be like a major major success for for the first year of the alegria all right we can wrap things up on i think one everybody can answer here from at filia juve fan who is the player each of you are most excited to watch under Allegri this season? I'll start with the fact that I think he has the most to gain from this because I think he's a better player. He was a better player under Allegri in 2018, and we keep kept expecting another step. But I really think it's going to be Rodrigo Bentancur. I think he he's finally at the point where he should be making that, that step into where we really thought this guy was going to be a world-class midfielder. And I think he's ready to do that, and I think Allegri will get him there. And I think that's why, you know, specifically my – the one I'm most excited about to watch because of Allegri, I think I think he's going to be someone who benefits from it. And I'm excited to see it because I think we all know what he is capable of. We just need to be able to see it more often and more consistently. I did not pay Caleb to pick my large adult son. Let me just state that for the record. Lies. Lies. <laughs> <laughs> Always better lies. to get out in front of these things, Chuck. Oh, the, yeah, yeah, true. That's uh it's like that, again, weird tangent, but it's like the quote from uh, House of Cards, controversial show, I know, but the best way to deal with the trickle of doubt is with a flood of the naked truth. So I always love that quote. But um, I'll, uh, my pick is, um, like I said, I'll stick with my kind of left field wild card option of Aaron Ramsey, if he plays in, in the Regista position and if that whole experiment pans out. I really think if that experiment works, it could be transformational and it frankly would be a new signing so um yeah if if that works out if Allegri pulls that off which hey if anyone can do it he can um so you know looking forward to it yeah I, I think one guy that you know it'd be very interesting to see under Max Allegri and that I'm really excited to see under Max Allegri is, is the very same guy who in a way was to blame for Allegri getting fired in the first place and, and that's Matthijs De Ligt I think he's been you know, just as, as good as we all thought he would be just because, you know, I mean, he was a sure thing as a sure thing can get. I mean, it, just when you saw him in that that game against, you know, Juventus when he was still with Ajax, you were like, this kid, is he's going to be a superstar. There's no way he's not going to be really good. And he has been, for the most part, really, really good for Juventus. The, the thing that I'm, you know, still kind of, looking forward to seeing from him is him taking that next step and don't get me wrong like he's really really good right now and if he didn't get any better for the next 10 years uh he'd still be a worthy investment for Juventus because he's like a, a very very good defender but I think he still has another step to take to really get into that top tier top echelon best two three defenders in Europe I think he has everything to actually become that. And he has shown flashes of being that already, but I think I want to see that much more consistently from him. And, you know, Max Allegri, he, he has a, a reputation for, for having good defenses, for getting the most out of their defensive players. I think I'd be excited to see how he uses him, how he improves. And if he finally takes that, that next step that really puts him in that top tier of, of defenders in the world, which, you know, we all know he's already really good. I think he can still take it to to another level. So th that would be my pick for for this question. I, I'm most excited to see play under Max Allegri. Manuel Locatelli, sign him. God damn it! <laughs> Finish the goddamn deal. 
Um, I guess I guess saying please isn't please. Isn't yeah, working. yeah, yeah. You you tried the you did good cop. Now I'm doing bad cop. That's the <laughs> no. It, it's um, I, I mean, legitimately, I am actually ex- I, I I am very much. I, I I guess you can't say excited, but I'm very. I I really want to see him under Allegri because I think that Allegri can do really wonderful things with him in the midfield. And I also just, you know, I know on this, on this podcast, I've been talking about him for like two years now. (laughs) Like I, I I just, I, I would very much look forward to the things that Max Allegri can think of doing both with him and with the rest of the midfield around him. Should this deal finally get done indeed and on that note we will wrap things up thank you all for your twitter questions we got a whole lot of them and some of them were actually uh repeats so we didn't get around to to those or they came up in the discussion earlier on in the podcast so we appreciate everybody getting their questions in and contributing hopefully that becomes a regular thing as we get going here again for max allegri 2.0 so as always, you can send those Twitter questions to us at Juventus Nation on Twitter. You can also follow us there, as well as on Facebook, Black and White and Red All Over. On your favorite favorite podcasting platform, you can listen to us on Apple Podcasts, iTunes, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. If you listen to us on Apple Podcasts, feel free to leave us a nice review and a rating. We always appreciate it. So, as I catch my breath after everything, for Sam... For Sergio, for Chucks, and for Caleb, I am Danny saying thank you much, very much for listening. And we'll talk to you guys, hey, next week after an actual game.